everyone, and welcome to our fourth show of our second season. I'm Dana. And I'm Jim. Today, we're at Brewski's Bar in the Bronx, chatting with our friend Brian Torrison. But first, beer. Brian, I'm going to let you handle this since you <laughs> are the host, and you're actually providing the beer today. The so guest. so what, are we, what are we tasting first? Yeah, so first and foremost, guys, welcome. And I'm you no know, stranger to here. Great to have you. Thank you and for being on the show. This is awesome. Yeah. Definitely my pleasure, and you guys have been great so far, so happy to be Thank a part you. of it, and as we just crack the bottle open, nice. here it comes Big from all that uh, yeast that's still inside. Nice. Carbon right over. They call this big bottle format or something? Yeah, like really... bomber bottle. Okay. Um, so what we have here is a kvass, or kvass if you will, style beer. I've never heard that word in my life. Yeah, so basically it's native to... Slavic countries, Russia, Belarus, Latvia, and typically where you'll find this is on the street corner at like a soda stand or a hot dog stand. What? Yeah, (laughs) because it's it's usually made in the most part from old bread. Okay. So they'll take the little bread, they'll throw it in the water, and let it naturally ferment out in the air. So typically kvass comes in around half percent, one percent alcohol. It's almost nothing. Wow. So now since it's become a little more popular in the U.S., I know Jester King has done Gavas before, Fanta Flora has done one, uh, Toast, mm-hmm. which you guys mm-hmm. see and carry, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what they're doing is they'll mm-hmm. add malts into it. So it's usually rye bread, and then they'll add in rye malts, yeah. a blend of like triticale, which is like a hybrid blend of uh, rye and wheat. Okay. To kind of bump up that malt bill a little bit so there's more to ferment, so you get a higher ABV. So this comes in right at like 4%, I believe it is. Wow, okay. But it's naturally carb, no forced carbonation in there, so it's oh, going to wow. be very, very delicate, not incredibly crisp or bright, but you're going to have those nice spicy rye notes in there too. Uh-huh. It's going to be very soft, and you might have a little twang on there from the mixed fermentation from their natural strain of their farmhouse at Fox Farms, which is in Salem, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Let's try it. Yeah, Cheers, so. guys. Cheers. Cheers. Good Learned early morning new. beer. Oh, yeah. The nose on it is very nice. That is really good. <clears throat> yeah, it's very, very easy to drink. 4%, you said? Yeah, right at like 4%. I love it. That sold little twang. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. The hot dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, it's literally just, yeah. Something you find there, and they'll add different things to it. I mean, they've been known to put in raisins, mint, strawberries, all these different kind of adjuncts and stuff to it. That'd be interesting. And it's immensely popular over there. And like I said, obviously, craft beer has been booming for the better part of a decade now. Has it been selling here all this time, or is this new to the States? So it's relatively new to the States. Okay. Within the past couple of years, people have been experimenting with it along with I mean, a multitude of other styles. Mm-hmm. As we see, everyone's kind of clamoring for what's next. Right, right. Which is awesome because, I mean, people are definitely a little more receptive now to something right. here made from old bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to what might have been 10 years ago when it was just a lager or even just a right. West Coast IPA. So you visited Fox Farm Brewery. Can you kind of go over what their layout is? Do you have any background on... Yeah, so it's a place I've been wanting to visit for a while now. I think they're open just over a year and a half. Oh, Beautiful place, right? So it's in Salem, which is kind of near the old Lyme area on the water of okay. Connecticut. So my wife and I, Kristen, beautiful wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're driving back from a beer trip in Boston, and this was kind of on the way. So we stopped there, and the place is just gorgeous. 
it literally looks like the Amish put it together. It's all this beautiful oh, wow. glowing wood inside, yeah. spotless, beautiful tanks. The people were so nice and so friendly. And a lot of the stuff they do is with local producers and such. So they make an amazing coffee stout, oh, nice. which will be featuring next week on draft at our okay. seventh anniversary with a local roaster. So not much comes down to the NYC area. I know when I first tried it, it was at row 34 mm-hmm. in Boston, right next to where Trillium's original location is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, this is pretty awesome beer. Yeah. How do I get it? So a lot, a lot like most high demand breweries now, it's really tough to get. Okay. You kind of, I mean, they're working through the red tape of getting stuff down here yeah. or they'll allocate it for a special event. Right. For someone's anniversary party, you know. Right, right. Along those lines. So thrilled to be able to actually go there in person and meet the people. Yeah, that's Because that's great. probably the coolest part of going to all these breweries. Absolutely. Is meeting all these different people, hearing their stories. Right. What inspires them, what they're trying to achieve, and just seeing them make a living. Yeah. And doing something that they're incredibly passionate about. Yeah. So very cool little spot, chucked away. Like literally like this, just regular houses around it. And that's then it funny. just... This little farm just pops up. <laughs> wow. And yeah, so definitely recommend checking them out. Tons of different styles. They had stouts, they had lagers, they had okay. pulses, they had everything. So Right off of 95 or pretty close to it? Uh, no, we took some back route off. We were coming down here. Probably coming down 95 out of Boston and then headed west and okay. cut across. But uh, yeah, probably about two hours from NYC, two hours from Boston, kind of right in between right there. Okay. So in terms of a day trip, it's definitely achievable. Yeah. Nice. You mentioned your seventh anniversary is coming up. Congratulations. Thank you. When, what's the date of that? So if people want to come by and hang out, and what are you guys doing for the anniversary? Yeah, so we celebrate all weekend long. Okay. Because we actually opened up Super Bowl week in 2012. Mm-hmm. So this is our seventh anniversary, but we go by eighth Super Bowl. <coughs> gotcha. We opened up when the Giants beat the Pats in the Super Bowl. Yes. So that was a pretty crazy <laughs> the first opening time weekend. Or the second time. The second okay. time. Okay. Go. <laughs> Gotta pour that salt in that. Yeah. Any Pats fans that are listening. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we celebrate kind of all weekend long. We have an amazing band Friday, long followed by two DJs, and then Saturday we have two bands and another DJ. Wow. And obviously Sunday is Super Bowl Fifty Three. Yeah. So we kind of just do it all weekend long because we know awesome. people in this industry are kind of tied down to a certain schedules, so right. they don't have to feel obligated to pop it in. That's in great. a small window, we do it all weekend long. People can drop by, try the great beer, see a different yeah. band they like. Is there a cover charge? Nope. nope. Wow. No cover charge that weekend. That's amazing. Nice. That's a lot going on. That's, that's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. So we try to make sure that it's our gift kind of back right. to our customers yeah. once a year. So just let's do a big um, rollout with that. Let's go back. So uh-huh. we're in the Bronx. Did you grow up in the Bronx? Yeah. Let's so we're in, the, we're in the Throgs Neck section of the Bronx right now, which is right off the Throgs Neck Bridge, right across Long Island. Uh, I grew up in Silver Beach, which uh-huh. is literally right down the road from here, right okay. on the water. Grew up here, moved to California very briefly when I was 18 to Orange County. My uh-huh. family lived there for six years about. I was only there for four or five months, a semester. Came back, went to Maritime College, which is down the block here in Throgs Neck. Uh, graduated there, and then shortly after that, my father and I opened up Brewskies. You graduated with honors, right? Like uh, semester early, yeah, three, yeah, three and a half years. That's <laughs> super impressive. Yeah. Don't, don't gloss over that. That's a big deal. <laughs> so anyone who went to Maritime knows it's not your typical college experience. So there's definitely explain it to me. What, what's it like? So it's you're a merchant marine. Uh, you're shipping out. Every summer, you're taking Coast Guard regulated classes, learning how to 
mine was the deck side, so I was learning how to drive ships, how to navigate. Wow. Uh, different particulars in that, the cargo operations and storage and such. So with that, there's so many regulations that come with it, and not drinking is such, it's a dry campus. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Like, if you got caught drinking, would that be a big deal? Yes, you would get something called gold. Which what is, is that? You're restricted to campus. You can't leave for, like, 30 days. Yeah. Like, if you caught, got caught once? If you got caught would... in your dorm room, yeah, drinking, yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah, yeah. strict. Yes. Did you know this before you went to the school? Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a great school. It actually had the highest starting salary out of any college in America. Wow. When I went, okay. because it's so hard to get through, and once you do get through... You're basically driving all these incredible container ships and yeah. tankers or cruise ships or whatnot and stuff like that. And you're sailing out for months at a time. Wow. But that didn't interest me so much. I got out. That's hilarious. <laughs> Something you wanted to do like when you were a kid? You're like, oh, that sounds cool. Or did you, how did you? I, I always loved traveling. Okay. So I definitely saw that as my ticket and opportunity to travel. Okay. So going back to the summer sea terms, which were part of your Coast Guard regulations, mm-hmm. you needed sea time. So okay. you had to be out for... Three fifty, fifty-five day intervals at sea. Wow! So we would leave typically around Mother's Day in early May and come uh-huh. back right around Fourth of July. Wow! In July and visit four or five different countries <coughs> at a time. So that's amazing. Yeah. So as a nineteen, twenty-year-old kid, that was a pretty cool pitch. What were like your top places you went to? Uh, Estonia was great. Iceland was great. Went to Rome. Went to Copenhagen. Went to Belfast, Ireland. Wow. Got to go to the Bahamas. Got to go to the Azores, the islands of Portugal, Spain, England. Yeah, so. Everywhere. <laughs> so basically, everywhere. We almost went to Russia. There was a civil war. So we got detoured <laughs> to Estonia, which was an amazing detour because yeah. Estonia is. If you haven't been to Estonia, no. it's like this old medieval country yeah. where they're still selling like World War II weapons on the sidewalk and <laughs> drinking all these incredible high gravity beers. It's, it's like Castlevania, right? Yes, yeah. basically, yeah. yeah. Dracula. Yeah, so. So when you go to these places, did you have enough time to like wander about and enjoy the place or was it like work the whole time you're there? No, so depending on your rotation on the ship, you were on a three day kind of rotation thing where it was work, watch, or class. Okay. So when you were in port, there was no class, there was work or watch. So if you weren't assigned to cleaning the ship or standing watch, it's called, where you're checking. The different levels on the ship and stuff like that, and different numbers and the tides and such, you were granted liberty. Mm-hmm. So, some ports you would get a day or two of liberty. Yeah. Other times, if the rotation worked out, you'd get three or four days of liberty. Wow. And then, depending on what class you were, freshman, sophomore, mm-hmm. junior, you would get till midnight or one in the morning or two oh, in the wow. morning. So, you kind of have this mass run at like right before you had to be back of yeah. all the cadets being like oh shit I gotta <laughs> if I'm not back now like you're restricted you get gold That's uh, so we'd be literally like we gotta get back and <laughs> trying to talk to a cab driver in a foreign language like we're not just explaining we're this big ship and he'd, no he just followed the herd and drive you back there but if you also showed up drunk yeah. they'd breathalyze you and if you what? failed to breathalyze you'd also get restricted or gold so it was also keeping your composure walking right. up the gangway so imagine like you're 19, right. 20 years old, drinking absinthe on the beach in Spain, <laughs> and then you have to go up this big, gangly, janky, <laughs> shaky gangway and not trip, not fall, not stumble. 
<laughs> so it was basically like the ultimate like sobriety test. Like that's crazy. Walking straight along the highway has nothing to walking up yeah. this old Yankee gangway. I wouldn't be able to do that. I so I a lot got, of kids got. I would have got kicked out. Yeah, a lot of so. You would not be able to leave the ship at all. That's amazing. <laughs> so you graduate college, and yeah. what do you do right after graduation? Right after that, I was still bartending a little bit in here in the Bronx and in Manhattan at my aunt and uncle's bars, uh, cutting my teeth there. Okay. And going to various interviews outside of college, tests for the DP at that point too. Mm-hmm. And then turns out in August of 2011, my father approached me at my cousin's wedding saying, what do you think about Fredler's Elbow, which is what this place used to be? Yes. And I was like, what, like, what about he it? Goes, <laughs> he goes, well, what do you think about buying it? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it needs a lot of work. And uh, so instantly I just start taking out my phone and jotting down a million and one notes on what needs to be fixed and what can be changed, yeah. what can be improved, and ABC all the way through Z, because my dad's never worked in the bar and restaurant business before here, mm-hmm. but incredibly brilliant man, this is a PhD out of NYU Stern, mm-hmm. worked for big tech companies his entire life, mm-hmm. IBM, H, Hewlett uh, Packard, mm-hmm. and such, so incredibly bright guy, um, so we talk it over, and we decided we're going to go for it, and buy the Fiddler's Elbow, and then completely change it around yeah. to something different than what it was at the time. What made him want to buy the beer? You said he had never been in the industry before. <clears throat> Why was it even of interest? Um, so he knew it was something I was always passionate about. Okay. Since I was about 15, I was a busboy, a waiter, a dishwasher, a food delivery wow. driver, so a barback, a yeah. bartender, literally yeah. everything from start to finish. So we knew I had a background, some experience in yeah. it. It's something I wanted to do after I sailed out and saved up money. Okay. Just open up a place. This opportunity came up. He saw it was a great opportunity and decided to uh, roll, roll the dice on it. So no pressure at 23 years old. No, no, running, no. You're running your first business in your local neighborhood. No, no. <laughs> so Fiddler's Elbow, was that a place that you had worked at before? Did you hang out there? I had not. A lot of my friends, a lot of our current staff actually yeah. worked there. So I had a lot of insight on the place. A lot of uh, knowledge on what what was working, what wasn't working. Yeah. they had uh, been here for a while, right? They were here for about eighteen years. Yeah, okay. So some of your current staff worked there. Yeah. So nobody lost their jobs. That's no, that's that huge. was really important for us was yeah. making sure because they had a large staff too, probably around at least thirty people or so. Wow. And we really wanted to, being that we're from the neighborhood, right? Not have that. Most people take such a loss or such a hit. Yeah. Because a lot of people obviously depending on this. It's not right. all just kids bartending. It's right. you have you have moms, dads, right. whatever it is, security, cooks, waitresses, Absolutely. whatever it may be. So that was a big, big part of it for us was making sure that we could keep these people on. And plus people from the neighborhood loved that because it was a neighborhood neighborhood place. Mm-hmm. They obviously knew everyone that lived around here. Mm-hmm. They had tons of knowledge. I was only twenty three, like I said. My dad never worked in the industry before. So we were helping them. They were helping us. Yeah. It was a win-win as we saw it. That's amazing. So a little birdie told me oh. that... Uh, <laughs> was this birdie like sour beer? Sours. A couple two-tree sours. Um, that you were invited by Stepanak High School to come in about two years ago to speak with their current students. So they had alumni oh, wow. come in yeah. uh, nice. who were business owners or... 
Um, you yeah, know. Lo- lawyers, doctors. Yeah, and it was kind of like, a, was it a career <laughs> day? And am I made, sure? It was like a career it day? It was a career day, day. yeah. Okay. It's something they did. I graduated from Stepanak in 2006. Uh, something they didn't do when I was there, I don't believe, but something that they implemented over the past few years. Um, a cl- former classmate of mine reached out. Actually, it wasn't a... It was a customer here who works there. Okay. Yeah, in administration that said, I think it'd be great to do that. Would you mind coming and speaking to the kids? And I was like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different career path. It shows all these kids that they don't... If they're not cut out to be a lawyer or a doctor, that's not the only option in life for them. And I awesome. couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was terrible at math in school. I mm-hmm. did great in maritime, but I was terrible. And so when you're going through high school and they're telling you that, you know, this is the kind of paths you have to take to be right. successful. Right. I mean, in 20, that was in 2017, but 2017, 18, 19, whatever it is, I mean, you have such an opportunity today to do absolutely anything you want. Yep. Thanks to you run a business social off your media, phone. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyth- anything. It's, the world really is wide open for them. So that was really important for me to get in there and tell these kids that don't be intimidated. Yeah. Don't feel that if school's not for you, that's okay. School mm-hmm. doesn't have to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you got to give up on yourself or that yeah. you're limited in what you can or cannot do. Yeah. So that was really cool. That's awesome. To talk that's, to them. Such and an honor. Why is they're trying to stay awake? Because these are like 15, 16 year old kids. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. that they like you more than anybody else. They're like, oh, he owns a bar? What? Yeah, <laughs> you're they, probably the hit. They had some <laughs> funny questions, absolutely. Like what? How big are your bouncers? <laughs> <laughs> Like, why? You trying to get in? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, you play football here? So, yeah. That's so funny. Is there a way to sneak yeah, in the back? Yeah, little, little rascal questions that you've got to expect. A little rascal yeah. questions. So, so that That's was a cool funny. experience for sure. So I think I think that you're the only certified beer expert that we've ever had on our podcast. 100%. Yeah. No, no Cicerones? No, certified no, beer servers? No Cicerones. I think Brendan, Brendan, I think, took that test from yeah. Dragon. I believe he took that. Mm, um, to question him. Yeah, we'll have it, to ask both Brendan and Doug. Yeah, but if, if they're not qualified, they're definitely qualified <laughs> beyond well, the official terms. But, well, I, uh, I yeah, mean, so that was when Dan and I have conversations with you about beer, mm-hmm. it goes nice. so deep. You know, it's <laughs> like, and and you get a lot of um, expert kind of knowledge and critique, and um, so it's really cool for us since we really really don't I don't have that background I mean Dana sold beer for a number of years but I I've had uh, a lot of beer (laughs) and that's the most important that's that is honestly the best way to learn yeah like I said I mean you could read a book and read about flavors and tastes and smells right Right. but if you don't know what it means or what that actually relates to or have some sort of mental term to grasp onto it you know then it's kind of useless yeah so what was that so, process just for our listeners like who really don't know what a cicerone is uh, so so cicerone is comparable to a sommelier for wine so you know the history of it the origins of it how it's made where it's produced where you can find it the differences in the styles etc etc so that's basically the same side of the coin for uh cicerone's beer servers there's four levels to it i the first is certified beer server then it's cicerone then it's Master Cicerone, and then they came out with a fourth one over the past couple of years. Oh, wow. Super Master Cicerone or whatever. Super Master. <laughs> but, uh, did you get a sash, a hat, a pin? <laughs> I got a pin. I, okay. did, I did get a All pin. Right. But, uh, yeah, I took the beer savvy course online. And, like I said, it, it starts with handling beer, proper storage of beer. So, right away, it was something that I was kind of drawn to because I want to make sure that people come in here right. are getting fresh beer that the kegs I'm getting that are super expensive nowadays from mm-hmm. these high-end craft beer breweries 
are are infected, meaning some bad form of bacteria in there, some bad kind of chemical offshoot. They don't know, doesn't taste like pennies or right. rotten apples or right. whatever. Proper amount of CO2, et cetera. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Car properly, that's definitely a big problem a lot of young brewers have mm-hmm. is how it's poured. So wanted to learn that and then from there, kind of getting into the whole brewing side of it, learning how the beer is made. I want to be able to talk to one, my staff knowledgeably so that they can in turn relay that mm-hmm. to the customers because, I mean, it's the days of spending 2 3 $4 on a beer are Long gone. well in the past. Yeah. And written rightfully so, because these brewers nowadays are using incredible mm-hmm. ingredients. They're putting more hops in. They're experimenting with a lot of stuff. They're using rare sugars and fruits and chocolates, right. stuff that coffees that are super expensive. And at the same time, they don't have the luxury of being owned by, like, InBev or right. Noah Coors or right. a massive company with unlimited funding. Right. So these are people that have taken risks, put their money where their mouth is, and are making a livelihood and at the same time supporting their local community. Right, right. So to do that, we're more than proud to pay a higher price for these beers. But obviously, that gets passed on to the customer. So if I'm going to pay eight, nine, ten dollars for a beer, I want to know it's fresh. 100%. I want to know it's served properly, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to want to know a little bit about it and why it costs that much money. Yeah. yeah. So to be yeah. able to educate myself on that side and said relay it to my staff right. and customers was definitely of the utmost importance. How many lines do you have here? Twenty-three. How many of them are dedicated to craft beer? Or do you decide, like, this means to be craft, or how do you figure that out when you're ordering? Yeah, we strictly keep uh, 10 lines as craft at all time, and then we work in bottles and cans as well. Okay. When I first came in here, I was surprised by the craft beer that you had. I just think, you know, like, Bar in the Bronx or, like, whatever. You just think, like, Miller Coors. I was stunned. You have excellent craft beers. Was that... A decision from the beginning, like we're going to have craft beers, or did you decide it along the way? Yeah, no, so right out the gate, I mean, we, we had 20 lines, we added three more. Uh, ten, 10 were macro, meaning your, your Miller, your Coors, your Blue Moon, your Sam Adams, and 10 were always craft when we started. Back then, seven years ago, it was Magic Hat, Stone, right. Blue Point, Lagunitas. Uh, there was no Grimm, there was no Equilibrium, there was right. no Hudson Valley, there was no LIC. Yeah. So many of these incredible breweries that were now spoiled to have in New York or the surrounding area didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So back then, IPAs definitely weren't as approachable as they are now. They were obviously bitter, right. poppy, piney, mm-hmm. those pungent West Coast flavors mm-hmm. before the whole haze craze came into effect and made beer a lot more approachable for everyone. Yeah. So when that kind of happened about four years ago now, three three and a half, four years ago now, when Grimm kind of came into the scene and we were able to, one, get our hands on it, because that's probably the hardest thing, is because this beer is in such high demand, because right. there's some OG beer bars in Manhattan, Yeah, just getting the beer alone is probably the toughest part about it. So once we were finally able to get it, the next trick was trying to sell an 8 or $9 beer yeah. to someone from the Bronx that was... Right conditioned to paying yeah. $4 for beer their entire lives and like what do you, what do you mean and I'm, and I'm getting this smaller glass too I'm right, getting less right. and I'm paying yeah. triple the price so do that was definitely the hardest option. you mean the old men Coors Light I was gonna ask <laughs> that's and where I was going. Yeah, but they will like it when you give it to them yeah they will yeah. like when you give it to them have you changed still... some of the customers like from the beginning like some of the older guys have, do you see them the older guys you'll get to see some you won't see them with the hoppy stuff. You'll see them on stouts. Okay. And kind of things that are a little more bold in flavor, a little more yeah. intense for their palates. The coolest thing is you'll get 
firehouse in here. Mm-hmm. Instead of a firehouse crushing down a bunch of Heineken lights, yeah. they're now kicking a keg of Jay Wakefield Miami Madness sour Carolina White. So That's crazy, it's just, yeah. yeah, like a beer that's voted like best sour in the world of 2018. <laughs> and you got a firehouse coming in like, yo, let me get a Miami Mama. Like, they know the name. They just know that it's delicious beer. That's great. And, and that's, but that's all that matters, right? As long as you like the beer and you can appreciate the beer, yeah. that's really all it comes down to. You don't have to be a Cicerone to right. appreciate it. You don't have to be sitting down and smelling your beer right. to appreciate right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> that was a very big thing here was making sure everything was approachable, not snobby, not snooty. You're not sitting in the dark next to a candle. <laughs> reading some J.D. Salinger books, sniffing your beer. You can watch a hockey game and have a double IPA yeah. and or watching a live band or something like right, that. We right. definitely didn't want anything that was intimidating cause, or pretentious because that's, that's not what a lot of my experiences yeah. are in craft beer. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if you're scaring people off, if you're bullying people right. into, oh, you don't know what this is, right. or I'm not taking your cr- your crumpled $50 bill here, like... <laughs> That's absolutely the wrong thing. Yeah. So we definitely try to make it as neighborhoody as possible, as approachable as possible, and at the same time featuring some really good beer that we can get our hands on. Yeah. It's like you said you, you wanted to learn about beer so you can teach your staff, so they can talk to customers, but it's like you're teaching the neighborhood as well. Like you, I'm sure, have changed so many people's minds, like the firehouse you're talking about. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Like you've created this culture, it seems like, where people are like understanding beer more and like it's making it more approachable. That's that was, great. That was definitely the rewarding part for me because, like I said, again, going back to the price of the craft beer, you don't have nearly the same margins as you do right. on macro beer. You know, working in the yeah. show, you know that, how expensive and how low the margins are. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I'm doing it is because I go on these beer trips with my wife and we visit all these places, meet all these amazing people that are making a living out of it. And you get to know them and you get to see what they're doing and you want to support them in some way. So like pouring their beer and then introducing it to your neighborhood right. here, hopefully they go on a beer trip and right. they see what else is out there yeah. in the world. They support a different community or different neighborhood or different city or wherever it is. Yeah. So that's the rewarding part for me. Wonderful. So speaking of that, I was talking to your beautiful wife <laughs> and she mentioned all the trips you guys have taken, like breweries. What, like, What's your favorite brewery that you visited? Oh, man. I, so... Has it been that many of them, like, mostly local breweries, or have you, like, traveled? No, we've gone definitely all over the U.S. I mean, on our honeymoon in Hawaii, we went to Kauai Bruco, which is literally the world's westernmost brewery. Yeah. Literally the sun sets on that last in the entire world. Wow. There's no, it's middle of the ocean, there's nothing further than that. Yeah. So we've gone there, we've been to Seattle, I've been to to Texas, to Tennessee, we go go up to the Northeast. Yeah. I mean, we definitely go back to Stowe a lot, Mm -hmm. just because amazing breweries, amazing food, great town, great people. We just got back from Boston Mm -hmm. last week, like we were saying, so that's a recurring one. We try to, we definitely go back to places that we can get to easier, a little more accessible, that we can squeeze it in with our busy schedules. So that's what we find ourselves doing, but we more or less go to cities that we know are going to have a variety or an option, right. and which ones have new places popping up too. Yeah. Like I said, like on the way back, we hit up Fox Farm. Right. I was only here a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I'm assuming you did that start off by drinking craft beer. <laughs> Definitely so, not. You're not playing beer pong with kibasses. <laughs> no. I don't want to assume that you were drinking underage, but I'm just going to... No, no. <laughs> of course not. Never Why would you do something that? Something like that. What was like your your starter beer when you first started drinking? No, it was probably yeah, Bud Light. It was probably, right. probably Bud Light. You got a 24-pack of Bud Light. Right. 
whatever, or you snuck beers for somebody's like, older brother. Buys it for you. Yeah. <laughs> we had a friend that was gifted with a beard at like 16 years old. Oh Jesus! So so, so much better than McLovin. Oh right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't need a shitty vest. He just had, <laughs> he had the beard and a duffel bag, and we're walking down Truman Avenue with a duffel bag full of beer Probably and a hot. five foot five guy with a beard. Just, you know. <laughs> so I'm 21. I swear. Yeah. So, so you definitely find ways. Do you remember your first craft experience? Like, how did you get into craft beer? Oh, man. So, like I said, I always kind of bartended, so there's always kind of stuff on tap on a limited basis, whether it's from Long Trail or Magic Hat or somewhere there. My cousin Mike always liked craft beer because he was a big skier, snowboarder, rather. Mm. So he would go to these towns that were a little more craft savvy back 10 years ago and tell me about stuff he had, and I'd go look for it and find it, and then I'd sign up for, like, Beer of the Month Clubs and get those bottles shipped to, like, my house kind of thing there. And Dinosaur Barbecue in Harlem always kind of had an awesome little variety of Stone and different West Coasty IPAs that I would try there. Yeah, basically, anytime I went somewhere, I would always try to have what was ever kind of local. Whether it was in Europe on these summer sea terms or maritime viking beer and polar beer and things like that what is a viking beer it's literally the brand viking beer oh, okay it's, it's just a lager yeah okay. it's just a lager i'm sure they have different other kind of styles as well but yeah i mean basically everything over there was some kind of version of a pilsner yeah to a degree as you kind of expect in eastern europe yeah where it was kind of born that sounds amazing though have you gotten your dad into it he's still Coors Light's number one fan. <laughs> but, uh, but every now and then, so like last Thanksgiving, I board over, what was it? It was a Brother Swanier, your Nordic Saison from Hill Farmstead. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner. It was literally voted like top 10 beers of the year from Hop Culture. And I was so excited to drink this goddamn beer. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's this? A Norwegian flag on it. We're, he's half Norwegian. So I was like, oh, let me try some of this. He's like, oh, this is good. And, Proceeds to like basically finish 80% of the bottle. Uh, I was like, it's okay, Dad. I didn't drive a combined 13 hours and wait in line for two hours to get back. Don't worry about it. Now, they'll make it again one day, I'm sure. That's so, so every now and then, yeah, he'll appreciate something at uh, Do you think if the Norwegian flag had not been on it, he would have even yeah, died? Yeah, that's what it was. I thought, it was. I thought it was wine or something, just kept walking. That's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks, Norway. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's still very much, and that's that said, like that's kind of the crowd we have here. We, I mean, we kind of sum it up in a microcosm. Myself and him is, he's Coors Light, I'm Kraft, and that's right. really the kind of the crowd we have here. Is Perfect. that macro, micro, yeah. whatever you like, you're amongst good people, and yeah. that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is the quality of the person. Mm-hmm. We don't care what you drink, what you like, what you're into. Just come in with your money. Come in, have a good time, be respectful. That, that's yeah. it. Um, so you said you were. In this industry at 23, your father had never done this before. What have you learned over the years? Like, what oh if God. you were talking to like somebody getting into the industry, opening their own place? Like, what would you say? Watch out for this, or like, be sure to do this. Literally every single day is, is an opportunity to learn something, <laughs> and that's the best advice I can give anybody. Is that there's definitely a lot to be learned in failure. Yeah, there's a. a you know, as long as you're failing upward. Yeah. As long oh, as you just good. keep going yeah. forward. Yeah. There's going to be fires to put out. That's constantly what you're doing in any business. Mm-hmm. But this one especially because you're dealing with drunk people. Right. <laughs> so, uh... It's like herd, I do trying have to herd cats, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's like, a lot of it's the stuff behind the scenes, the decisions that you make, and which 
what policies you're going to implement and how people conduct themselves and stuff like that. I definitely have plenty of friends who ask, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, and they yeah. open up that, and I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Because you're there. I mean, you're like a beetle. You're there eight days a week. Yeah. If yeah. you're not here in person, it's on your phone, and you're constantly getting texts and questions at and that's all the way till two, three, four, five in the morning. Yeah, I'm Things sure happen. Kristen loves that. That's, yeah, it's she's a, the biggest fan of that. It's a, it's yeah. a fan. The Apple Watch is coming handy because yeah. now my wrist just buzzes instead of like the phone on the nightstand rattling. Yeah. That's so, hilarious. Uh, the screen there, but yeah, I always tell people it's not as fun as it sounds, yeah. not as easy as it looks. Yeah. Just like anything, the grass is always greener. Yeah. But if you can learn to relish the little things in the business, like I said, the people, the experiences. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great business to be in. And to be able to support and employ yeah. over 50 people from your community you is... 50 employees? Yeah. Wow. We, yeah. Wow. So to be able to do that and say just work with these people every day. We're yeah. so lucky to have a great team yeah. and great staff here. That's amazing. <laughs> so I want to... We haven't touched on this yet. I mean, we've been talking about beer the whole time yeah. um, and getting to know you more. But on the culinary side of things... You're super involved in the menu and, and, you know, you have some new things that just came onto the menu that I think you're pretty excited about. So what's, what's going on on the food side? Yeah, so when we actually started, like I said, I had a bit of a background working around the kitchen in the back of the house, but never actually working directly with the food. Yeah. And when we started this, that was never anything that I was supposed to be <laughs> on my plate. But as, as you know, in this yeah. industry, everything's on your plate. Yep. You know, you wear a lot of hats. The first chef that we had didn't exactly work out for reasons I won't discuss. <laughs> Bad habits. But uh, so I was very quickly thrown into, uh, okay, well, you know, you got to figure out the kitchen. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So I basically just immersed myself in the Food Network and the cooking channel. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and learning and picking up any bits and tips I could, restaurant startup shows, and little by little just implementing new things and trying new things and going on these beer trips and such to different cities. Yeah. Is, all these different types of cuisines that I thought would translate well mm-hmm. to the comfort food. And that's basically what we're doing here. Everything goes back to just being approachable. Mm-hmm. So comfort food is the ultimate approachable version of food. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you're in the mood for, what kind of day you had, putting out fires, running wire, whatever it is yeah. in this working class neighborhood, you just want to kind of just sometimes unwind, relax, no frills. Yeah. So that's literally what we just tried to do here. So whether it's poutine, chicken and waffles, shrimp and polenta, mm. just plantains, just wherever culture yeah. it's from, whatever yeah. it is, everyone kind of has their own comfort food that they go back to. Mm-hmm. So just trying to offer high quality versions of that, where we make a lot, a lot of the stuff from scratch, the majority of the stuff actually wow. is from scratch, mm-hmm. and just doing different spins on it, and doing it in a way, like I said, that's approachable, that's fun, that's easy, that's laid back, but not ever sacrificing quality. Right. I'm hungry now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you want to, uh, Brian is also a master social media marketer. So go on Brewski's Bar. Uh, their their IG handle is Brewski's Bar and Grill. Brewski's Bar and Grill. Uh, pull up their Instagram account and take a look at all these delicious dishes that he's putting out. Whenever you guys get a new craft beer on tap, uh, you you're marketing it through yeah. that channel as well. Yeah, that on tap. They both immediately they go on tap instantly. I usually grab a picture, throw that on Instagram and Facebook as well. Nice. Give a little spiel about the beer, what it looks like, what you expect, the flavors and stuff like that. And we got a big event coming up in a couple months. Oh, yeah. Is Uh-oh. it next month or is it Uh-oh. March? March. It is March 10th. 10th. March 10th. March 10th. You want to tell everybody about that? So, Fatty's Day. So, 
Fatty's Day is the, the Throg's Neck St. Patrick's Day Parade. We call it Fatty's Day because it's always the week before actual St. Patrick's Day. So it's always the Sunday before. So this year, St. Patrick's Day is on a Sunday, the 17th. So it's a full week before. So Fatty's was first patties or fake patties, <laughs> or way you want to get the etymology of it, is that's how we came up with that. And so you have 3,000 people in the neighborhood that day, marching firefighters, cops, first responders and such. And we get a whole big tent in the backyard, get the beer trucks rolled in, went to live music, we had Shillelagh Law, Jameson's Revenge, different DJs throughout the day as well. The beer companies come in, do all the giveaways, throw out all the green shit at you. And it's just a really, really fun day to celebrate, be with friends. Yeah. It's a lot and of fun. Kata, yeah. We came last year. It was freezing, but yes. it was still so much fun. That's they were shots of Jameson, so. Yeah. yeah. It all worked Jameson's out. Jameson's always flowing. <laughs> Guinness is always flowing. And like, obviously, it's New York. You get all four seasons in one week. It was yeah. yeah. Negative five on Monday, and today it's 50 degrees. Yeah. So it's yeah. we don't know what we're going to get, but... Uh, Regardless, it always ends up being such a crazy fun day. Yeah, a lot of fun. So definitely come down here uh, to Brewski's on East Tremont Avenue in the Bronx uh, (laughs) for Fatty's Day. Dana and I had a great time last year. We'll be back this year. And we will definitely be back this year. Um, Listen, we want to thank you for joining us today and opening up your doors early uh, for us. We we arrived and he was downstairs fixing an issue with a keg and, uh, you know, came up, opened his doors to us, shared some amazing beer with us, um, and we're going to stay for a bite to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Um, So if you're thirsty for more, where can they find us? You guys can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, Breaker, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast, either on your PC or on your smartphone. And we will be talking to you guys soon. Bye.